Hey moms, welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Dorinda Wilson. I am a wife to one, a mom to eight, and a nana to six. We have been homeschooling for over 24 years. I am really grateful that you're here today. I'm going to be talking about uh, ditching the comparison trap. I'm really excited about this topic because it can be such a struggle and such a battle for so many of us. But thank you to all of you who are leaving reviews and comments. I so appreciate your heartfelt words, and I am grateful that you took the time to share your heart with me. So thank you for that. Now, I happen to be recording this podcast at the tail end of the holiday season, and that can be a particularly sensitive time for feeling the aftermath of not only a busy season, but also one that can bring with it that ongoing battle of comparing ourselves to others. Today, I want to hit this head on by God's grace, and my prayer is that you will hear His gentle voice moving you toward a place of contentment. If you're a new listener, I want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you're here, and I'm thankful for every mom who listens in. I know that you have many, many voices that you could be listening to, and I consider it a privilege that you have allowed me to spend this time with you and to speak into your life. Before I dive in, I want to make sure that if you have not checked out my book, The Unhurried Homeschooler on Amazon, I would love for you to go check it out. It's a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, and I love the way uh, the responses that I've gotten from so many moms, countless moms, on how they love the shortness and the simplicity of it. But quite frankly, I was thinking of myself when I wrote the book, I was thinking, do I really have that much to say? What I have to say is fairly simple and straightforward. And then I realized, you know, I like simple, short books. I don't have time for a lot of other uh, other books, you know, and especially during the, the busy season of homeschooling and raising kids. And so I went ahead and published it, and it's been one of the features that I think moms have mentioned the most is that they love that I just get to the point. So... In that, uh, in the spirit of getting to the point, I also want to make sure that I mention Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is also um, a book that I've written, and it is, but it's a devotional, and it's written specifically for homeschooling moms that is also available on Amazon. Now, in the coming year, 2020, I am going to be speaking in lots of different places. I would love to meet you, if at all possible. So if you go to my uh, page my, or my website, there's a page that tells you all the places that I'm going to be. I will leave a link in the podcast notes to that page. In January, I'm going to be uh, doing an online conference with Anna Willis, who is from They Call Me Blessed, and she's done several great online conferences in the past. She's done a Charlotte Mason conference. Anyway, she's going to do a one-day conference, and that is going to be on January 18th. So I would love for you to check that out. I'll leave the link to that as well. And then if you are in the Orlando area, I would love to see you on January, I believe it's the 23rd, uh, 24th and 25th, so the evening of the 24th and the day of the 25th. It's a small, intimate conference called Books and Beyond. I will leave links for that as well. 
Okay, so I also wanted to mention that I am going back to doing the devotional podcast that I've done in the past called Grace for a Mom's Heart, but I'm making a few changes. What I was doing before was writing the entire devotional out, and I have found that to be incredibly time-consuming, and in the coming year, I don't think that's sustainable, but I really wanted to make sure that you and I are in the Word together. So I prayed a lot about it, and I felt like the Lord lead me to make, led me to make this change. I'm going to be taking a specific topic. For instance, it would be grace for a mom's heart, does God protect me? Grace for a mom's heart, is God really sovereign? And then in that podcast, I will be reading passages of scripture um, and verses that apply to that particular topic. Because here's the thing. God says in his word that his word is living and active and powerful. So, And it says that it never comes back void. So when the word is spoken, when God's word is spoken and we're listening to it or we're reading it or we're taking it in, God does something amazing in us. So this is a way for us to just really kind of bring it back down to the simple basics. Let's get back to God's word in the coming year because nothing is better. Nothing is more directive. Nothing is more full of truth than the word of God. So we're going to be doing that a couple of times a month as well. All right. We need to talk about our topic. Let's talk about comparisons. So where I want to start is to share what I think we would all agree with, and that is that quote that says, comparison is the thief of joy. We all know it's true, and yet it's such a temptation and continues to be a temptation. Now, comparisons can happen a couple of different ways. One way is by comparing ourselves to those that we feel aren't as quote-unquote good as we are. We can do that and use that to feed our pride and self-righteousness. Now, now, mind you, I'm, I'm speaking in theoretically here, right? Like, I've never done this. Ha ha, wink, wink. <laughs> God has a lot to say about pride, And the verse that comes to my mind first is that pride comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Bottom line, it never ends well. I know from experience. The second way that we can compare ourselves is by comparing ourselves to those that we feel are better than we are. This causes us to have strong feelings of discontent, of condemnation, of inadequacy, the list goes on. And again, it never ends well. When I first wrote these notes, I thought, okay, those are the two ways. But God brought another way to mind where we compare ourselves. Because this has been actually a, a more recent experience for me. Comparing ourselves with what we used to be able to do. What do I mean by that? I'll give an example. Maybe you're walking through a crisis right now, a family crisis, um, a, a financial crisis. Maybe that you, you, you're pregnant. You know, a, a pregnancy, I, I don't like to 
call it a crisis, but it definitely changes um, the landscape when it comes to how much we can do and what we can do. There are limits there. Uh, Maybe we're dealing with health issues. Maybe uh, we're getting a little older and we're starting to feel some limitations and yet we're still raising and homeschooling kids. Maybe um, just any kind of limitations that weren't there before can become ways that we compare ourselves. And I'll give you an example from my personal experience. I'm in a place now where I don't handle stress nearly as well as I did when all the kids were home. And it's really hard for me to um, acknowledge and to live within those limitations contentedly. I keep expecting more from myself and I'm finding that God is really um, actually peeling back some layers in my own heart um, and, and helping me to realize that it is not going to end well with this comparison either because I'm not who I was then. Uh, God has brought me into a new season, hormone shifts, getting a little bit older. Um, I had grace for what I needed grace for in that season. And now I have grace for this season. And that looks like uh, some other areas that have extra grace that I didn't have before when I was raising kids. So there's kind of a trade-off, but it's recognizing most of all, most importantly, recognizing that these limitations, whatever they are, we need to recognize that God is sovereign over those limitations. And when we acknowledge that and we also recognize that He is good, it makes a huge difference in how we perceive those limitations and how we walk through them. Because God wants to work through every season of our lives, regardless of what the limitations are. So one question I always like to ask is is to ask the why. So let's ask this question, why are comparisons such a constant temptation? I think one of the reasons, one of the main reasons, is that as humans, we want a measuring stick so that we can be assured that we're doing okay, that we're making the grade, that we're worthy, that we're not inadequate. Isn't that really the case? We just want to know that we're worthy. We want to know that we're, we've met the standard. And, and for we who are type A personalities, this is especially strong. So um, that is something to, to bear in mind, that this is a human tendency. So one thing we also need to bear in mind is that the enemy uses comparisons as a tool to, um, to do a couple of things. So how does he use comparisons um, to, to sort of get to us, to cause us? How does he use comparisons to get our attention um, and why does he do that? How does he do that? Well, first of all, um, comparisons are a huge distraction. Distracted people are ineffective. And I want you to think about how this plays out um, in the ripple effect of being a parent, and especially of homeschooling. You know, we're with our kids all day long. 
Um, I think it can be tempting to be distracted because we're with them all day long. We're not looking at that time with them as, oh, this is the only time I get with them. I better make the most of it. And I'm not saying uh, that people who send their kids to school always do that either, but I'm saying we're, we're not as limited in our time with our kids. And so then we can easily become distracted. So this really affects the next generation. So this is why it's so important for us to stop and focus on this distraction piece. Because if we are distracted parents, we are not going to be good gatekeepers for our children. We're not going to be good protectors. We're not going to be paying attention to what's going on with them. We're not going to be tuned into them. I'm not saying they have to be the center of our universe. They shouldn't be the center of our universe. But as parents and as homeschooling parents, it's crucial that we are engaged. We live in a culture that is extremely distracted and so it's extra tempting. There's so many things that can keep our hearts and our minds off of this, this work that God has put in front of us. And so as a distracted parent, that eventually uh, will affect our children. Our children feel valued when we are engaged. So this whole... Um, tool of distraction is incredibly effective and and can be incredibly devastating. So when we're comparing and we uh, we what happens is we are focused on our inadequacies. And when we're focused on our inadequacies, we are not focused on God. We are not focused on his lead. We are being driven by these comparisons instead of led by him. And we become slaves to ideas, desires, and opinions that are not God's ideas, desires, or opinions. Now, in my experience, this place right here that I'm talking about, when I become a slave to an idea, desire, or opinion that are not God's, this is when my stress level goes through the roof. And why is that? Why does it go through the roof? because it isn't what we were made for. It isn't what God originally intended for our relationship with Him. And the stress reveals this knowing deep inside of us that we were made for so much more. We were made to walk in communion with Him. Our desires, our ideas, and opinions all aligned with his, in harmony with his. This is the only place we're going to find peace. Again, we're going to ask ourselves another why. Why is it so easy to give in to comparing ourselves? Well, it resonates with our human nature to want to be independent, to want to be in control. And an example of that would be to go back to the beginning, back to the garden in Genesis 3, 1 through 4. Here's what it says. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Eve said, of course we may eat from the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. 
God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. There is so much going on in this passage, but what I want to focus on is um, one of the main points of the enemy's temptation. This is what he says. He whispers insidiously this. You were made for more than just being in this place and meeting with God and doing the things that he said you should do. So what other things are you missing out on? You hear that? Do you hear the temptation there? And then he leads us down a path that moves away from God instead of toward him. I remember back in the day as we were raising our kids, um, we have two at home, but uh, when, when all the kids were still home and all were still little, I remember thinking um, in, in terms of comparisons and kind of looking at different things and different the ways different people were doing things or homeschooling. And, and that can be good to a degree. We can learn from each other. I'm not saying we shouldn't. But learning from someone is different than comparing yourself to them. Learning is looking at what they're doing and prayerfully asking the Lord, would that be a good fit for us? Is that an answer to a prayer that I've been praying for our homeschooling or for our parenting? So that's the difference. But I remember thinking, being tempted to compare, and the Lord gave me a picture of a backyard, a fenced backyard. And he said to me, just take care of your own backyard. Focus on your own backyard. Don't let your eyes wander to someone else's yard. Don't be a Wilson peeking over the fence. <laughs> Remember that with uh, tool time, uh, what was it? Uh, Alan, Tim Allen. Um, you know, don't be that neighbor peeking over the fence wondering if they have a better yard or better kids or better this or better that. But focus on your own backyard. And that was true also when I was tempted to judge someone else. I, you know, sometimes God calls us to speak the truth in love to someone, but He will lay that heavy in a burning way on our hearts. We don't go looking for it, and we don't go judging other people to try to make ourselves feel better. And every time I was tempted to do that, because that's another kind of comparison thing, um, God would remind me, just take care of your own backyard and let her take care of her own backyard. And you know, that was just such a simple visual that I could go back to over and over again. And it's, you know, when I was tempted to look elsewhere, I learned to turn my eyes back to what God had put in front of me. Galatians 6, I'm going to read a few different verses out of there, verses 4, 5, and 7 through 10. It says this, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself with anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what's good 
at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Moms, every day, you are sowing and reaping. Well, you're sowing. Sometimes you're not reaping yet. The sowing is done in a long-term investment when it comes to raising and homeschooling our kids. We have to get away from this idea that we need instant gratification. And we live in a society that pushes and gives us instant gratification. We can get on our phone and find anything out at any moment. And that sort of changed the dynamics of how we think um, sort of across the landscape. We've lost patience with the process. And it's in that process and in that journey where God meets us and does his most powerful and amazing work. But you can't get away from that concept of sowing and reaping. I've seen um, over the years, you know, obviously since we've homeschooled since the beginning, I've seen a lot of different families over the years. And, you know, I find it interesting because no amount of quote unquote perfect parenting or methodology, or perfect curriculum, or planning turns out perfect kids. It just doesn't happen. And it's the same thing with our marriages. No amount of perfect this or perfect that, perfect dating plan, perfect communication is what makes a perfect marriage. God is the glue. God is the key variable in the equation. He looks at our hearts. He is not looking for perfection or comparing us to others. So why are we doing it? He sees us as unique and he sees our families as unique. So my best advice that I can give you is move toward him. Just keep moving toward him. And when you find yourself getting distracted, get back over and start moving toward him. Keep your gaze on him. And as you do, you will be met not with eyes of comparison or judgment or impatience, but with the eyes of a loving father. Moms, you have no idea how much God loves you. I was trying to describe this. I've tried to describe this to my kids before. When I've tried to imagine how much God loves me, I've sat and I've thought over my lifetime and I've thought about a few key people who showed me love when I didn't deserve it, who showed me mercy and grace, who were patient with me when I was being a ding-dong, you know? And I look back and they loved me well and I look at that and I say, and I look back and say, when did I feel the most loved? And I would think about those people and the ways that they loved me. And then I think about God and I think that His love is that times infinity, Moms, he is not looking at you like the world looks at you. He's not looking at you like the enemy does. You know, the enemy is called the accuser of the brethren for a reason. He loves to bring accusatory thoughts. And no better place can he do that than when we're comparing ourselves with other people. This is why God warns us against that. So keep your gaze on him, and as you do, you will be met with the eyes of a loving father. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. 
This family you have, this work that God has put in front of you is your work for the Lord. Let me say that again. This family and this work that God has put in front of you, it is a good work. And it is the work, it is your work for the Lord. And 1 Corinthians 15, 58, like I just read, says that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So always work enthusiastically for Him. Much of the work of motherhood feels ordinary and mundane. It's tempting to believe that it's not that important. The world continually feeds us this lie. Even the church has made this mistake, not across the board, but in a lot of places and out of a lot of pastors' mouths. I've heard something different than what the scriptures say and what what God has clearly uh, laid out in his word. It's a lie, you guys, no matter who it comes from. Everything in God's kingdom is the opposite of this world. He works from a completely different economy. So with that in mind, remember, like I said before, that much of the work of motherhood feels ordinary and mundane. And now I want you to hear what the scripture has to say about ordinary. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Isn't that beautiful? As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God because it's all about him and the work that he wants to do. Moms, we want him to work powerfully in our lives. And no place does he do this more readily and more deeply than through motherhood. And if you're homeschooling, through homeschooling. He is there in the ordinary and the mundane. Do you remember the verse in Philippians that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? I have heard that verse my entire life. I've been a Christian since I was four years old. And that verse has come up so many times. Several years ago, I decided, you know, I, I never really looked to see what that was in context, what, what that verse actually, what the context of that verse really was. And you know what? When I went to read it, I was floored. You guys, it doesn't mean what a lot of people try to make it mean. So I'm going to read it in context. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live in on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. 
for I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. What is the context? This is about strength to be content. Now, in light of what we're talking about today, this is huge. Because when we're comparing, we are not content. We've already said that, that comparison, comparing is such a strong temptation. But right here, guys, right here is our answer. Right here is our out. God says for every temptation, he will make a way out. And here it is. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength to be content. We can do this because he strengthens us. So that's what we need to be praying for. Our job is to move toward him. And as we do, as we do this, the things that he doesn't want for us will fall off to the wayside automatically. We don't have to think it all through. We don't have to cognitate all of it. We don't have to figure it all out. We just keep moving toward him and these things will fall off to the wayside. This is not just unnecessary activities, unnecessary curriculum, homeschooling parenting methods, but this applies to every area of our lives. We just keep moving toward him and yielding everything to him. Speaking of comparisons, since this is our topic today, I want to talk again. I want to tell a quick story about something that happened way back in the day. We were going to church, and I would look around at all of, uh, not all, but many of the other moms who were in my season of life with little ones at home, and, and I saw and noticed, particularly, I don't know how many, but at least a few, who were not only pulling off the small child thing, but they were also, you know, raising littles, but they were also homeschooling. But on top of that, they were incredibly involved in other activities, specifically activities at church. And I remember going to the Lord and saying, God, am I missing something? Am I just, you know, so focused on what I think I'm supposed to be doing that I'm not doing what you've called me to? Are you wanting me to get involved in activities at church or do more outside the home? And even as I was saying the words, I could feel the stress level going up. But I wanted to be open. I wanted to hear from the Lord. I wanted to, you know, overcome. If, if this was just me and I was being stubborn, I wanted to overcome that with his help. But I needed his leading and I needed to know that if I was going to do an activity or something else, that he was actually leading me to do it, or I knew it would be a disaster. It would be a disaster for my children and my family um, because it would just it would not bring peace and breathe life into our home and into our family life. And as I prayed those words, and this happened on more than one occasion, God said to me, "Keep your hand to the plow." Keep your hand to the plow. Just keep doing what I've put in front of you to do. And so I would just get my hand on that plow and get focused again and keep moving forward in the ordinary and the mundane. And I can tell you guys, looking back, that was a beautiful, beautiful time in my life because God met me there. He met me with peace that only He could give. And in that 
peace, from that peaceful place, I could do the work well that he put in front of me because I was focused and I wasn't distracted. And I'm not saying it didn't happen periodically. Obviously, you know, I'm human and I'm not saying I did that all perfectly, but I'm saying it's possible. It's possible to keep your hand to the plow. It's going to require discipline. It's going to require faithfulness. And it's going to require patience and perseverance. And God will equip us to do just that. He will give us the strength to be content. And there's a, there's a story in the Bible sort of related to this whole uh, idea of keeping the hand to the plow. And I want to read it to you. It says, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus was not being a meanie here. You know, if we're judging from our own cultural understanding, this sounds really harsh and unkind and unloving. But it's not, because if you go back to the culture of that day, when it came to a burial, that took forever. This was not just a one-week event like it tends to be in our culture. This was literally weeks and months of mourning all these rituals they had to go through. And it, it lasted, I believe it lasted for months. I could be wrong, but it was much, much longer than it is in our culture. And the point of what Jesus says, and we can't get, I think we can't get too hung up in the wording, um, because the point of it is that, you know, for instance, when this guy says, let me say goodbye to my family, that seems like a reasonable request. And again, Jesus isn't being cruel or mean because that's not his nature. That's not who he is. That's not who God is. But there's a point to his story. The point is that looking away would turn the plow out of its path. And what that means for us as believers is this, looking back means placing earthly concerns ahead of God. We are called to not put earthly concerns ahead of God. Now, we are moms, we are wives, we have things, we have earthly concerns to be concerned about. We have earthly concerns to tend to. But what he's saying is we don't put those concerns ahead of God. And as we keep our gaze on him and keep him at the forefront, he will help us do those things well. So looking back means placing earthly concerns ahead of God, concerns about what other people think, concerns about being enough, about being or feeling inadequate. These are earthly concerns. They become earthly concerns when they begin to consume us, when we become a slave to them. We are called to be a slave of Christ. And when we serve him first, these other things fall into place. We start, everything aligns itself when we seek 
first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. Do you see all the connecting dots? Those scriptures all tie together. I want to remind you of something because comparisons are a place where we can really um, be focused on our weaknesses. I want, to, I want to tell you something. God is not offended by your weakness. Your weaknesses and my weaknesses are not an obstacle to him. He is not offended by them. In fact, he said that in our weakness, he would be made strong. Creation is a beautiful and magnificent example of the fact that our God can make something out of nothing. Another time when we were raising our kids, you know, there were a lot of them. You guys know I have eight kids. They were all 13 and under. Uh, when we were, they were all thir- 13 and under when we had our last one. So they were pretty much bam, 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 bam. It was a busy, busy time. Lots of just practical things that needed to happen. And then I'm trying to homeschool them. And I knew God was giving me a simple plan. And sometimes I would get distracted. I would start to compare and I would think, ooh, we should add that to our homeschooling. Knowing deep down in my gut, if I really had stopped and listened, that it wasn't a good idea. And of course, that proved to be true very quickly. And I quickly learned that slowing down and listening to his voice every time I have some harebrained idea, (laughs) those harebrained ideas aren't always God. They can be impulsive and they can just be distractions. And so, I remember being in that place where I'm like, Lord, I know that this is the plan you've given us, and I know you want me to be content in it, but my concern is that it's not enough. Is it going to be enough? Is this enough? Or even at the end of a day where it felt like, oh my goodness, we didn't do half of what I'd hoped or planned to do, even, in my, even with my simple plan. And I remember asking the Lord about that, and he said to me, I want you to think about the story of the loaves and fishes. That little boy brought me what he had. That little boy brought what he had to Jesus. And God was telling me, bring me what you have. I know you're dust. I know you can't do it all. I know you you have weaknesses. Bring what you have to me. Offer it to me. Do your best. Offer what you have to me and I will make it enough. So on those days when you wonder if it's enough, bring it to the Lord. Ask him to make it enough. He's so faithful. He's so faithful. Romans 2 says this. Romans 2 verse 30. It's it's, uh, the last piece of uh, verse 30. It says, And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. Moms, we aren't here to please anyone but God. Don't let the enemy get a foothold. Keep moving, for, keep moving toward him and ditch the comparison trap for good. Lord, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for revealing yourself to us today. And I pray that every person listening 
would hear what you have for them specifically. Lord, bring the things that you meant for them back to mind over and over and over again, Lord, that this would be a defining moment in their lives, Father, where they can really actually think of what their life was before they heard this message and what and how different it was after. God, that's something only you can do. Lord, I thank you that you are the one who burns on our hearts the things that you have for our children, that you are the one who gently leads us. Father, forgive us for comparing. Forgive us for looking other places. Help us to tend our own backyard, to trust you with all of our heart and not lean on our own understanding, Lord, in all of our ways to acknowledge you. And you will direct our paths. In Jesus' name, amen.